coming up on this episode of the Interim Whisper Live. Tracy is our guest. And reminder listeners, you can chat with us online through Interim Pursuit's Facebook Live chat. And if you're trying to find Intern Pursuit, find us on Facebook, on LinkedIn, on Twitter, on Instagram, on YouTube, and on the Interim Whisper radio show is on iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and Podbean. And we also are on YouTube, like I said. We are celebrating the fact that our game, Interim Pursuit game, is actually on Steam. So people can go to the Steam Marketplace, download our game. It is available for PC, not for Mac play. But you can play it and leave us a comment. And you can follow our Interim Pursuit game on Facebook and on Twitter and soon to be Instagram and YouTube. And then again, you can watch us live like today, right now on Facebook. And we're going to go and give a shout out to our first patron. Cat5 Studios is a video and game production company that spends training and marketing games and videos for your business or nonprofit. Serious games to develop employee skills, videos for onboarding, and 2D games and videos for your marketing use on your social channels and website. Want to know more? Visit cat5studios.com. And thank you, Cat5 Studios, for being a patron of the Intern Whisperer. Tonight's news on Intern Pursuit. Students, if you want to work with one of our great employers, go to internpursuit.tech. Sign up. It's really simple. All you have to do is just share your email address and your name and upload your resume and we will be in touch with you. If you're an employer, you could be a part of our 100 campaign. We're looking for a lot of really great 100 of you guys that are innovators and want to work with interns and create a very, very dynamic intern program for your company. So use Intern Pursuit 100 for that special price. And you can contact us at info at internpursuit.tech. And if you wanna play our game, go to Intern Pursuit uh, dot games for that website. You can go to interpursuit.tech and you can find us on Steam. So we're going to jump right into the show. So Tracy, welcome to the show. Yay! Thank you. I'm excited to be here. I am so excited. It's been a journey. You and I have been trying to get together for quite some time. Yeah, like November, I think. Yeah, it was. It was from last year and it was our good friend Trish Murphy that introduced us to each other. Trish and part of Trish and I work together and she is just fabulous. She so. is. I love her. And I know her through um, FABOB, the Florida Association of Veteran-Owned Businesses. Yep. Uh, didn't have this on the question, but were you in the military also? No, I have not. Okay. So that's going to be a good part of how you'll share how you met Trish too. Um, just curious though, um, I remember when you and I were trying to get together, you also teach. So yes. throw that into our conversation. Yes. Um, I have been a um, adjunct professor at Barry University, um, also Eastern Florida um, State College here in Brevard County. Uh, I've done it probably like the last five or six years. And I teach introduction to business, small business management, services, marketing, and introduction to entrepreneurship. Oh, that sounds fabulous. Um, just an FYI, I don't, I did not know about Barry. That's where I'm all but dissertation for a PhD and it's from Barry University. So I completed all of those classes in leadership development and human resource development. So that's, that's the degree when I get there. Awesome. Yeah, love the school. Yeah. Glad to meet another educator. So um, as you know, our show is all about internships, but we really focus on the future of industries and jobs. So what I'd like you to do is tell us um, a bit about your educational background. Obviously, we know you're a teacher. That's super cool. And then how you got into the path where now you're the owner of everything Brevard. So what's that journey look like? Well, I started my first business in 1995. The only job that I've ever really had like real career outside of 
owning my own business was property management. But I have been in the people business my entire life. I started selling newspaper subscriptions, had a newspaper route in Fairbanks, Alaska, um, when I was in the fourth grade. And oh my God, that's so funny. Alaska too? How hard? That sounds impossibly hard to try and sell in Alaska. <laughs> well, it was a close neighborhood, but it was year round and it was a daily newspaper route. So even in the middle of the winter, I would have to deliver my papers. And I believe um, I have like 150 customers. I, I built it. That's really good. Tell um, me, did you have to ride your bike to go and sell the newspapers? Because everything in Alaska to me is very rural and it's spread out. Um, I walked. It would be the neighborhood that I lived in was similar to any of like your gated community types in mm -hmm. Orlando, over here on the beach, you know, just an average kind of neighborhood. Um, but I walked and I rode my bike. And when it was really cold, my mom or my dad drove me. Oh my God, it must have been freezing. I think Alaska's freezing. Yes. Yeah. A lot of the time it is. Well, fourth grade, an entrepreneur at fourth grade. So it just was in your blood. Are your are your parents also entrepreneurs? Yeah. My grandparents were um, uh, on my dad's side. They were farmers and my um, mom's parents were, um, they owned small business, air conditioning companies, restaurants. Um, my grandmother was a home economics teacher. She started like a social services um, type of an organization, nonprofit in the small town that I grew up in, in North, in um, Minnesota. And um, yeah, so I come from a very long line of entrepreneurs. My wow. dad had several businesses. Um, when we moved to Alaska, he had initial, we'd initially moved so that he could build houses, but um, that fell through when we got there. So he jumped into the union and dove into commercial construction um, and had a 50-year career uh, building commercial buildings, big buildings. Um, oh, wow. and, and he was in California and Hawaii and uh, Washington and then all over the state of Alaska. He did different things. Were you born um, in Alaska? I, no, I was actually born in Minnesota. Oh, wow. It's just as cold there, too, though. <laughs> I know. It's actually it's even colder there because that wind chill is so terrible. In Alaska, it's a very um, dry cold. That's so interesting. Yeah, it's different. More mm. dangerous because you don't really, you know, if it's 50 below, um, you don't really feel the 50 below until it's too late. And then you have frostbite and different things like that. So it's a little bit more dangerous. I can't even imagine 50 below. I don't even know. That just sounds like I'm inside of a freezer. I know. <laughs> it should not be humanly possible to live in that. That kind of climate, well, even animals to live in 50 below. I, I don't even see how it's possible. Right. Mm, interesting. Well, it's, it's beautiful. And it was a great experience to grow up there. You know, my brother, um, one of my brothers, he, he lived in Alaska and he was in the army. He was stationed there. Uh, he was a helicopter pilot at the time and he would send pictures of it. And he also hunted. So he would hunt big game and go back and then, you know, of course, use every part of the animal because that's just part of, I guess, the hunting mentality. Um, but he had the head mounted and he had all of this, you know, kept the, the skin itself, you know, the whatever it is, um, and made those into rugs and then, you know, ate, I think, every part of that animal too. I, I don't know what they did with the bones, honestly. I don't want to know, but... <laughs> It was like Indian culture mentality where, you know, you respect the, no yeah, yeah no respect the animal and the, the gift that they gave you of their life. Yeah. yeah. Um, anyway, well, that's super interesting. And he also was telling me that he didn't think it was that cold, but I, 
I honestly did not believe him either, but now that you're supporting it, I'm going to have to go back and tell him, I'm sorry, I believe him. Right, right. It's interesting, though, because in the summertime, like right now up there, I was talking to my dad on Sunday, and it was 80 degrees. So it's beautiful. In Alaska? Mm -hmm. I don't know. Hey, now, Hannah, if you ever want to jump into the conversation, feel free. You can always just jump in. Okay. You don't have to stay in listening mode. It's <laughs> definitely a, a group conversation. Okay. Have you been to Alaska? Me? No. Yeah. I've never been Florida? to Florida. Um, no, I've lived in New York, Chicago, Maryland, and Florida. Maryland's cold. Yeah, Maryland is really cold. Very, very cold. Definitely is. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Very good. Okay, so you, fourth grade entrepreneur, lived in Alaska. How does your journey continue? Well, um, my parents ended up splitting up and my mom landed in Florida. And um, I came here uh, to Brevard County when I was 18, almost 35 years ago. And I started my family. I started working. I was in property management. And um, when I met my children's father, um, we he was in actually working for um, a radio station here in Brevard County. And um, we decided at one point that we wanted to start our own newspaper. So we started a dining and arts enter and entertainment newspaper um, called The Entertainer, and we did that on our dining room table. Um, he would sell it. I'd type in all the editorial and stuff at night, and then we hired a graphic design company to help us, and we would load our kids up in the van to go deliver all 40,000 newspapers every month. That was quite the ordeal, um, but in 1995, I was bordering on, I, I really wanted to get out of property management and into something else, but my job provided a nice, um, stable income, housing, insurance, all of those things. And then we had another business. And so I wanted to do something that I didn't want to fail at. And so we got into publishing this direct mail coupon magazines and became a, what they call a master publisher. And we had associate publishers under us. And I had several territories and that was really when I dove into the whole advertising and marketing. Um, the thing that was missing for me in the, um, in the direct mail coupon magazine was the storytelling. Um, but it was where I really um, fell in love with small business owners. And I, I have such a passion for them because, you know, my entire life has been built around entrepreneurs and um, knowing the grit that it takes to persevere through all the things that they struggle with to get to where they want their business to be. And I really felt like when it came to small business or when I say small business, what I think of more often is the solo entrepreneur or the, the mom and pop restaurant or the dry cleaner or the bakery or the flower shop, you know, the things that you might see in a historic downtown. Um, it could be an air conditioning company or a pool company, any of those as well. But, you know, those small brick and mortars. And, and I really felt like the media in general has always overlooked that particular audience. Mm -hmm. They don't have enough money to do a big buy in on a radio station or a big buy in the newspaper and all they were really trying to do was get some local visibility but nobody was there championing them so oh. our vision or mission here at everythingbrevard.com is to inspire and champion small business success it's the foundation of who we are 
So I have a question. I know that I could not agree with you more about the storytelling. Um, one of the things that I learned in the PhD program is that how adults learn is through storytelling. <clears throat> but I don't think it's exclusive, honestly, to adults. I think it's just people. Yeah. Um, if you were a kid, you grew up with stories being told to you. So it's a part of who you are, honestly. Right. With that said, I have noticed that being able to tell a good story, it is very much of a, a gift. It's your body language. Obviously, I'm using my hands, right? But it's being able to use your body appropriately when you're telling a story, you have variance in your voice so it doesn't sound monotone. It, it, right. You have to be really animated. It's like being an actress. You have to be kind of over the top. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, did you go to school for... What was your education? Did you, what did you, you graduate? I did not, I did not go to school until I was in my mid thirties. <laughs> and I simply went to school because I applied for a pharmaceutical sales rep job. I had gotten divorced in um, 2000 and I was looking for a job. I, I needed like a steady income, the whole entrepreneur thing. I was like, okay, I'm, I gotta, I just have to have something steady. So I applied for a pharmaceutical sales rep job. And the gentleman who was doing the interviewing said, you have to have a four year degree. Mm -hmm. And I said, well, some, could you just take my work experience because I have a lot of work experience could you take my work experience in lieu of the degree? And he said, I can't. As much as I would love to, you are That's the ridiculous. most, he told me I was the most qualified, had the most connections of like, if I would have had that piece of paper, he would have given me the job. And I, so I said, do I need a degree in um, sales and marketing? And he said, nope, it could be underwater basket weaving. Anything you want, basically. Anything, anything I a want. A four-year degree and anything you want. Yeah. Well, that's good news, and, right? And I thought to myself, dang, this is, I don't know what I'm going to do now. And, and he said, why don't you look at some universities that um, give you credit for work-life experience? And I was like, yeah. oh, now that's a great concept. But I really wasn't into online anything. Me and technology mix like oil and water. Honestly, it's where <laughs> it's like it gives me panic attacks when I have to do this stuff. Um, but so um, I found Barry University in their um, adult continuing education program, and I immediately enrolled. And for the first time in my life, I was experiencing finding my voice. And what I mean by that is that as long as I did the assignments and followed their directions, the content, I couldn't get it wrong because everything mm -hmm. was my opinion, my thoughts, my feelings. Yeah. Um, so... I was really inspired by that. And my college experience really, um, really um, was transformational for me mm -hmm. at that point of my life. And um, my degrees are in, uh, I have a bachelor of science and then mm -hmm. my master's um, is in art. And oh. And so through my whole degree, I never thought that I would use this degree to actually get a job. I just didn't ever want to be told that I was the best candidate for something and could never, I couldn't have the job. I was like, yeah. that's not happening again. Yeah. Um, so I got my bachelor's degree and in that program, one of the last classes that I had to take was services marketing. And in that class, we had to write a business plan. Mm -hmm. And so I was writing 
this plan, this thing, this vision came to me to start a, pu a publication called mm -hmm. Business Life. And it was a combination of owning a small business and having a life and how you blend the two of them. Because it's really hard. You know, your business is pretty much your life. Yeah. Um, but, but a lot of small businesses struggle with the same things. It really doesn't matter what the industry is. They all had HR issues, cash flow issues, um, funding issues, working capital, you know, you name it. It didn't matter the industry. They all had varying degrees of struggles. And I wanted to be that resource. So um, I wrote this whole business plan and I hired a marketing company mm -hmm. to help me bring this idea to life. And you're not even going to believe this. Um, he liked the idea so much. He invested in it. He wanted to be a business partner. And when I said no, he stole my entire business plan and started a competitive publication. That is horrible. Right in my backyard. Yes. So the lesson that I learned in all of this, though, was I learned about contracts. I learned about confidentiality agreements, um, no competes. And at the time that this happened, this um, man was a professor at a college mm -hmm. teaching business ethics. I oh my goodness. It's breaking every rule, every rule. Yeah. So um, that fueled my fire to go back to get my master's degree so I could teach because I wanted to teach people how to protect themselves. Mm -hmm. And um, so I published my magazine for like six months and um, it was something that I couldn't sustain with the confusion in the marketplace. And they had a lot of money behind them. Um, and so I pretty much felt defeated. Oh. And, and I did sell my publication. It, the guy that bought it wasn't, he didn't buy it to um, actually publish. He wanted my database because I had an extensive database of local business owners. And so I was able to sell it. So that was a little redemption there, but um, I kind of put my dream in a shoebox and put it in the closet. And um, then in 2010, I decided I was ready to get my master's. And so I went through an accelerated 12 month program. And near the end of that program, um, I had met another gentleman who was part of an organization it was called 360 directories. And it happens to be the infrastructure that operates my website today. And nice. when I saw it, I was like, wow, nobody's doing online in our community really well. And what was so inspiring to me is that this company that I partnered with out of Wichita, um, they had fine tuned their platform and had it running so smooth that I knew nobody could pivot quick enough um, on a local level, a small business level. They couldn't pivot quick enough to compete. And the larger corporations like YP.com and some of those other companies, they, it takes an act of Congress for change. Mm -hmm. and, and so I walked in with this company, made sure my I's were dotted and my T's were crossed, that I had a secure area. They couldn't sell a licensing agreement to anybody else in Brevard County. And um, I immediately took off on building this website and this brand. Um, and, and at the time, I knew too that I was serving two markets. I was serving the small business community 
but also the consumers. Mm-hmm. Um, because as a consumer here in Brevard back in 2011, if you wanted to know what was happening, you had to pick up several publications or go to 50 different websites to figure mm-hmm. it out. And so I became the solution for that and partnered with other um, small business publishers in my community that needed digital exposure, but they were so focused on their magazines, um, they didn't have time to do it. Mm. And, and so I built this great partnership. Then I also brought in my um, experience with nonprofits um, and the desire to give back to my community um, where I partnered with them because they all had databases of people but they had no budgets for advertising and marketing. So I partnered with them to give them visibility for their organization, their cause, their mission, their drive, and what they're passionate about in exchange for sharing everything Brevard as a resource to all of their people. And over that 10-year period, we went from nobody visiting our website when we started to now we end up with somewhere between 1.5 and 1.7 million hits a month on our website. Holy cow. This is like such a great story. It had like some, some twists and turns and like, oh my God, you couldn't see that this story was going to, um, you overcame that huge challenge. I love it. Oh my gosh. Great yeah. story. Now, uh, the, the, the next phase of our growth was really um, happened by accident as well. And that was the starting of the magazine. Um, In 2016, I was diagnosed with type one diabetes and I was in the hospital um, with diabetic ketoacidosis and nearly died. So when I came out of that and my life was shifting and I like was managing this insulin dependent lifestyle, um, I was thinking maybe I should sell my business and all of this. And I toyed around with that idea for about six months. And when my husband and I went on vacation in July of 2016, um, on our way back, we stopped in Ocala because he had a business meeting the next morning. And when we checked into the hotel on the coffee table in the hotel room, was this beautiful magazine called Ocala Style. And when I looked at it, I just saw the everythingbrevard.com magazine. Like it it was what was missing inside of me. That voice, that, um, it was just a piece that was missing and I wanted to do it. So I came back, I didn't tell my husband, came back, talked to my team. Everybody was on board. They wanted to do it. Um, So we started out um, October of 16 was our first issue and we did it as quarterly. Um, 17, in 2017, we published four issues and in 18, we went to six. Wow. Yeah. And then um, my wellness journey prompted me one day I was riding my bike and God decided to plant a seed, another one, and basically said that I was going to tell my wellness story, my journey with, with diabetes and, um, have a women's event called unwrap the best you. And I like that. that. That has evolved into an annual symposium. And then um, we do little meetups and we do um, like happy hours on Zoom and stuff like that. So it's fun. That sounds great. Oh my gosh. Do you have to live in Brevard to participate? No. Huh? Oh, great. So I can join in. Yeah. Yeah. I'll send you an invite to our Facebook group. And you can follow us on Instagram and um, Facebook for Unwrap. Okay. I will. I absolutely will. 
Well, that is just such a great story about, you know, overcoming adversity, obviously, and the challenges that we'll often have as entrepreneurs. Um, I love the fact that, you know, there's these places where you and I intersect, um, certainly in that education spectrum, entrepreneurship, but also in nonprofit. I'm super passionate about nonprofit. I know that Hannah is also. She has um, a pretty cool little story to tell, too. And um, I'm going to ask her to kind of just like jump in here. She's starting, she has her own YouTube channel. So give us a little bit of a background about your YouTube channel and what it is that you're doing. So I started my YouTube channel. channel. Okay, well, I actually started the YouTube channel in 2015, but I was only doing like a video per month. And initially I didn't really like it that much because I felt like I was making videos for other people and not myself. So I wasn't really connected to what I was doing. And I mean, don't get me wrong, like making videos for other people, like it's fun to do, but when you're not connected to what you're doing, it doesn't feel right within yourself. So then last year, actually, I decided to like hop back on the YouTube wave. And um, I started making videos that I felt connected with, videos that meant a lot to me. So for me, personal development is plays a very large part in my life. So I started making videos about what I was learning in regards to like goal setting, time management, like basically deep questions that have you thinking about what you want to do in your life. And doing those videos, it made me like realize how, how much I enjoyed public speaking and how much I enjoyed providing value to other people's lives. So that's what I was doing. And um, then uh, actually a couple weeks ago, I just gained like a thousand subscribers which is really cool. So it's good. I'm making progress. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it sounds like Hannah, what you um, found is not that you were doing it necessarily for yourself or for others, but you found the purpose and how to connect what your purpose is to your audience. Exactly. So the mutual benefit to both of you. Mm -hmm. Yep. Exactly. I'm pretty sure I, I know Tracy's going to I don't know if you have something that you want to share, but this is like how we all teach each other through this moment is, um, you know, when somebody shares, we can always tell another story that goes, oh my God, yes. And it provides additional insight. Mm -hmm. um, in my services marketing class, I have my students do that same write a business plan. And we always start with why, because in the beginning of that class, when I tell them what their project is, uh, they give me these deer in the headlights kind of look like, you want us to do what? Yeah. And I said, don't, you can't tell me you've not ever dreamed about doing something. Like literally everything that we touched, that we use, it was a thought before it was a thing. And so when I, when I break it down for them in very simple terms, um, I mean, I've had people start catering companies from the class. Yeah. On their project. I've had them um, um, detailing companies, uh, medi spas, like it's pretty exciting. Yeah, it's whatever you're super passionate about and yeah. how those gifts are going to be shared with others. Agreed. So over here, let me just make sure that I'm staying on point. Um, I've got to, I moved my uh, show notes around, so I've got to put it back in place here. Okay, I'm almost in there. Um, so you talked about your first job and how you got to where you are now. Uh, you put something up there. The COVID-19 has thrown us all for a loop, right? Yeah. Nobody saw this coming. Everything's going to happen some other way. We think terrorists, we don't think, or natural disaster, we don't think of something like illness, right? So when COVID-19, how did it change how you were doing your business or support your business in this instance? Um, because the print publication, everything is so much online, uh, but we'll, we'll kind of just dig into these questions just a little bit. How did COVID-19 impact your business or benefit your business? Well, it impacted us in a way um, that forced us to pivot. I've had to get uncomfortable again mm. with technology. Um, it, the, the thought of not publishing was never, an, it, I never even gave that a second thought. It was like, no, we, 
these businesses, our community, our readers, they need this right now. We have been delivering hope and inspiration and education to our community for um, four years now via the magazine. This is not going to stop us. And, and it, with that, by putting that stake in the ground and communicating with our advertisers and our followers and stuff, I think it inspired them too, mm-hmm. you know, and, and they had an opportunity to share how they were pivoting and the adjustments that they were making. And, you know, it's part of the reason why I do what I do is that inspiration of how they just, boom, make a shift. Nope, that didn't work. We're going to shift again. You know, that whole trial and error and never yeah. give up, that passion and that drive is so inspiring. Yeah, it sure is. I love it. And I know you mentioned earlier that your team is all remote. So yeah. it didn't take a lot of adjustment for you guys. Right. My biggest fear was that our advertisers and community wasn't going to be okay with me not printing the magazine. I printed enough magazines to give everybody a hard copy that either advertised, wrote a story, or was featured somehow in the publication. They all got a hard copy. But for me to print 5,000 magazines, where was I going to put them? Everybody was shut down. And I didn't believe that it was going to open up April 30th, the way that they were saying. And even if it did open up, were they going to allow magazines and things in lobbies? And I felt like I wasn't, I, it wasn't the fiscally responsible thing to do for my um, stakeholders. Yeah. And so what we did was um, we brainstormed. We've always had a digital version of the magazine that we promote, but the printed copy is, you know, what everybody wants. They want that in their hand. Right. Um, but so because we had the um, digital version of the magazine, um, we thought, what do we do to inspire people to read it, to flip through it, to, to pay attention to the advertisers? And we knew we had to use social media to do it. So my editor, Lee Nessel, who is fabulous, um, she said, what do you think about a digital scavenger hunt? And she said, one of the ways that we could give back is instead of, because we're not using all the money to pay for the printed magazine, why don't we buy gift certificates from local small businesses within the community have the scavenger hunt run eight weeks, and then we put together a big grand prize. So we'd have the grand prize winner and eight weekly winners. And in order to qualify for the grand prize, you have to play every week. You don't necessarily have to get all the answers right, but you have to play every week. I like this. And so it has been really amazing to see that grow and see that engagement grow. Um, people are excited. And in two weeks with this social campaign, not just for the scavenger hunt, but we put ad dollars behind our stories, behind our doing advertising on social media, paid ads for our our advertisers in the magazine. Um, In two weeks time, our visibility was over 122,000. Holy cow. That's encouraging. Okay, I'm excited. I'm definitely, after we're finished with the call, sometime during the week, I want to learn more about the campaign so I can replicate that for the game and for the <laughs> That's super cool. And I didn't, wasn't familiar with this, but apparently there's Google Forms or Docs that my team put together. Yeah. One of my rules of thumb is 
work your strengths, hire your weaknesses. So I have a really great team and they use these forms in Google. So when people submit their answers, it populates into an Excel spreadsheet and everything is right there. Yeah. And what's really cool. um, A prize. So everybody who competed in the week, their name goes on this prize wheel and it's done online and we do it make a video of it and then put it on our Facebook page to announce. That's really cool. And what's fun about Google Forms is that it will also, in addition to, you know, gather great data for you, but it puts in a visual format, whether you want it as a pie chart or a bar graph or whatever, you can share those statistics. Yeah. It's great. Cool. Yeah. So I love the digital scavenger hunt. And then also, you know, Um, sharing about how you're supporting your community. That's really awesome. We're going to take a little break just so I can do another patron announcement. And then we're going to come back and we're going to be wrapping up the show. Orlando Game Space helps companies keep up with the latest development in art, design, marketing, business management skills, and business management skills. I'm gonna put that little compound word in there. They facilitate connections to Central Florida's education and university professionals to offer expert advice. Their website is www.orlandogamespace.com. Thank you, Orlando Game Space, for being a patron of the Intern Whisperer Live. So we're going back to our show And it's all about internships and remembering those that gave us a chance our first time, but also about the future of work. So um, what do you think, Tracy, the future of work looks like for your industry, the print, um, 10, 20 years out from now? Because personally, I think that the more of our senses that we engage, you know, and touching something is a sense, right? Um, It makes it so that it increases the ability to remember and to learn. So just watching and listening, but also the ability to touch, to write on magazines, to highlight. What do you think it's going to look like 10, 20 years? Are they going away or are they staying? Well, I'd like to believe that there's always going to be a place for a printed magazine Mm -hmm. because I'm like a total magazine junkie. I love looking at the images and reading the stories and you know I don't know if it's just the creative side of me but I don't know how I would fill that void if they totally went away that being said I do believe that our younger generation is very much online and digital and looking to the um interactive kind of um magazine that they can they can read online i've seen some really cool things where um if you have your phone where you can hover over it or if you touch something on the screen where like if you're advertising a shoe a certain model of hiking boot or something it kind of pops up and it does like this 3d thing um like a like some kind of embedded video in it and uh i thought that kind of stuff is really cool and we've played around um with how are we going to show up for the future with this product uh and and what does that look like Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i I truly because of the the technology um barrier that i have Sometimes I think it's hard for me to really think that far in advance, like what would that look like? And how do I keep up with that? Yet when I see something like the shoe coming out of the magazine and rotating around, so you could like yeah. look at it and see, I, I, I'm so inspired and intrigued by that stuff. Yeah, there's always a balance between technology and also the tactile, the, the part that's human of us. And I'm going to go and put Hannah on the spot again over here. So Hannah, she is that generation. Hannah, what do you think? Magazines, are they going to be staying around or are they going to be leaving? Like the physical magazines. I, I think 
they may not I don't okay I think for now that they're still gonna be like present but I feel like they're gonna be transferring to like the phone so I think they're still gonna be relevant like people are still gonna want to read magazines mm-hmm. but maybe like I wouldn't say like now they'll probably be extinct I'd say probably in like 50 years because I mean I know that I still like holding magazines and reading them like mm-hmm. when I go out like I like or when I go to the stores and my mom is shopping I know I like to go to the magazine aisle and like go through magazines mm-hmm. so I mean I think that they'll still be like around for some time yeah I think that they will always stay around because there will be a day the grid will go down and mm-hmm. not going to know how to operate when they don't have a phone or they don't have a computer when that grid goes down they're going to want to read a book or look at magazines exactly <laughs> the way that somebody could any country wants to take out you know anybody is you you make it so that the satellites are gone and people are having to depend on what it was like before we had the internet before we had all of what we have now the technology so i don't think they're going away i think it's going to be something that's part of that experience and um it's finding the balance between those things i think they'll stay all right so looking over here, my last question, well, I have two questions, is what would a typical day look like for an intern to work with you? And I know you work remotely, so pick any aspect. What would it look like for an intern to work with you? Well, interestingly enough, last summer I actually had one. And um, she was a graphic design student, and she wanted more experience in that. And I said, well, we work remote. So this is the experience that I can give you because I'm not the designer. Um, So her whole time with me was spent on learning how to communicate with somebody like herself, or how do you communicate with a business to um, extract what it is that they're really trying to accomplish. And how do you turn that into design? And then um, we we spent time on editing and proofing and things to look for and um, reasons why I have things laid out the way that I do and pretty much just the functionality of what it what it looks like to run a business mm-hmm. to publish a magazine from my perspective. Yeah, that's really valuable. Very. Very good. All right. And then how can, uh, well, best mentoring advice that you've received or you've given? The best advice that I've received was from a mentor um, of mine when I was in property management. He was on the advisory board of the homeowners association that I managed. And um, his name was Ivan. And when I was applying for the pharmaceutical sales rep job, and I read in the ad that you needed a college degree, he said, don't let that stop you. Go anyways and ask them about taking your work experience in lieu of the degree. Mm -hmm. And had he not done that, if I had just stepped back, I don't think I would have my bachelor's and master's or the desire to have the PhD that I want. So, mm. That's good. That yeah. it, was, it was a pivotal point. That's really good. So how would our listeners find you? And I definitely want to make sure that you give a little shout out to your Instagram and your Facebook groups so that they could join you. But how do they find you? What's your website, your social channels, your email, whatever you want to share. Okay. So um, website is everythingbrevard.com and our Facebook is um, Everything Brevard. Um, the Twitter is Ething Brevard. Instagram mm-hmm. is Everything Brevard. Um, then we have. Can they find these on your website? Yes, there are links. On okay, great. Up so in the that's other a really good place. Corner. Um, and then we also um, have the Unwrap the Best You. So it's unwrapthebestyou.com. And um, we're on Facebook and Instagram with Unwrap. 
Well, very good. I'm also on LinkedIn, Stratter, and everything above. Very good. I'm definitely going to look for you there. All right. So as we are wrapping up our show over here, um, we're going to do our shout out. So Hannah, you get to go first. Who's your shout out for? Um, I have a shout out to you, Isabella. Thank you so Aww. much for this opportunity. I really enjoy like working with you and you're so kind and I look forward to learning much so much more things from you. Oh, thank you so much. I appreciate that. How about you, Tracy? Who's your shout out for? I want to give a shout out to Trish Murphy from Trident Marketing um, over there in Orlando. Um, Trish has um, been part of the everythingforbard.com team for um, since August, I think. And she has just been wonderful. And um, I, she came to me through a personal introduction from somebody else. And uh, it's just been great. And so I really appreciate her thinking of me and introducing us. Yeah, she is awesome. So my shout out goes to um, all of the team that makes all of these shows happen. Uh, we've taken a little bit of a pause. So in the month of May, so you were the guest that we brought in for May as we've been kind of organizing and helping to get our processes uh, better improved. Um, but I want to definitely give a shout out to all of those people that have been part of it. Thanking the game team also, super excited about the game getting up on Steam and the fact that our website is able to accept, you know, employers and students and getting ready to launch our school, our own school. So shout out to all of those hardworking people there. Um, People can find the Intern uh, Whisper again on our Facebook page and also on any of those fine podcast channels that you, you follow and you can play our game. It's on Steam and it's also at internpursuit.games. And then again, we're gonna encourage employers and students to sign up on internpursuit.tech and be part of our 100. And as we close the show, we wanna thank all of our listeners. Um, thank you for following us and being a part of our story. So we are signing off. Thank you very much, Tracy, and also Hannah.